You are listening to the Sunday Morning Sermon Series from the Grapevine Church of Christ in Grapevine, Texas. We're a family that is devoted to giving our lives to and living our lives for Jesus Christ. If you'd like to know more, you can check out our website, www.grapevinechurch.com. Thank you for listening. If you have a Bible, we're going to be in Romans 13, verses 11 through 14. But as we get started, uh, I have a question for you. And that question is this. What is one of the most annoying sounds in your life? I want you to think about it for a moment, because I can bet that all of us in here have a sound or two that just really bothers us. If I were to look at your significant other or talk to your best friend and say, tell me the sound that bothers you, they could probably point it out. Why? Because you pointed it out to them numerous times. And I want you to think about that because sound has a way of eliciting a response from us. Uh, Whether it's the annoyance, the negative, or the positive, sound has a way of bringing up the emotions. Whether it is the smacking of gum, which is my daughter's number one hate, or it is the crunching of food, which is my wife's, and as I tell her, I just have very powerful jaws. Or whether it is, and Marcus brought this up today, that he likes writing on a blackboard, and I hate everything associated with the blackboard because of the sounds that come from a blackboard. But if it's any one of those, we all have those sounds that kind of, kind of jolt us and, 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 get our, and get our attention. Now, for me, there is one particular sound that really just bothers me. It, it's just one of those sounds that when I hear it, I, there is an emotional jump to me. And I think I, 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 we were able to get it, and this is the sound. Yeah. And if you have an iPhone, I am pleading with you today. If you have any love in your heart for me or my family, that you will never make that your ringtone. Why? Because that is the sound that wakes me up every morning. And not just wakes me up once, right? Because that would be way too easy for the alarm to actually go off one time and you get up. So this may be what you have on your iPhone, but this is what I have on my iPhone. This is my alarm schedule, right? you know, CrossFit at 5, then I really need to get up at 5.10. Then at 5.15, generally my wife is supposed to get up. Uh, And then by 5.35, I'm already too late. And then by 6.45, I've decided I'm not going. And by 7 o'clock, I really have to find a way to get Annalie up. And you laugh, but all of these, and then what you don't see, because I am a good preacher, at 7.15, I also have a church alarm too. But These are my, this is my alarm schedule, and so every morning, that sound is what I hear. It wakes me up. But if you're also like me and my family, and I'm sure you are as I look at Jamie Weatherall, um, you don't like that sound. You will hit snooze as many times as possible on that. And there's a reason why I have to set up this many alarms, because I finally got to the point where I just can't believe in the snooze button. So, but I've realized that I can make my own snooze by doing this. 
But that sound of that alarm also elicits a response from me because I know what it means. It means that a new day is approaching. It means that I have to get up and get moving. I can't just, as much as I would like to, stay in bed, pull the covers over my head, and say, not today. I don't really have that option. I have to get up. But what I am asking you this morning is that if you have this on your phone, don't let it remind me at 3 p.m. that I have to get up. So just take it off your phone. Just let me have this one. But that's what an alarm does. And we all have those sounds, those sounds that, that, that get our attention, that move us to pay attention, or that get us to start doing something. And so while as much as I hate this sound, and I say it's annoying, this sound also means something to me. I need this to get me going. I need this sound to say it's time to get up. Because honestly, if it were up to me, I probably would not do it. Because it is very much, especially when it gets cold, it is very much more comfortable to be in bed. But there's a second sound for me as well. And that second sound's a little different. That second sound was a sound that I had been waiting for for so long. It's a sound that when Laurie got pregnant the first time, that for nine months I waited to hear. Right? So if, uh, for all of us who, who are parents, we, we know this sound. Because when, when, we get, when we're pregnant and we're waiting for it and we're anticipating it, and then when we finally hear it, and it's the sound of a crying baby, and when we hear the sound of a crying baby, we know at that moment that everything in our life is completely changed. So all that we've been getting ready for for nine months to be parents, when we hear a baby cry, we know it's game time. We know that we just can't sit back and do nothing. And then ten years later, after I thought I'd figured it all out with parenting, I hear the cry of a baby one more time. And I'm reminded one more time that I have to do this dad thing all over again. And so sounds have this way of moving us into something, of pushing us toward something. And I think this text that we're going to read today, in light of the season that we're in, in the Christmas season, because I believe, as we've been talking, that we all need some kind of jolt in our life after 11 months of kind of making it through life, right? If we think about it, 11 months of just trying to survive. We get to the Christmas season, and it's this jolt in our life. And as we've looked over the last couple of weeks in Isaiah 64, as we enter into the season, we are reminded of what God did and as we're reminded of what God did, how we wish God would do it again, would come back again. And it is in that moment that we realize our neediness for God. We realize for 11 months we've been trying to fill that neediness. And we are left in despair. But then we read Mark 1 last week, and we're reminded that God didn't leave us in our despair but we have John who shows up to say, God isn't leaving us in our despair. In fact, God is coming to enter into our neediness. And John shows up and gives us a word of hope. 
And John tells us that God is not done with us. And so we find ourselves in this place. We find ourselves 2,000 years later as we sit at this Christmas season and get ready to anticipate the birth of Christ, but also in this 2,000 years realize that we are still waiting for the return of Jesus. And what we find out happens is what I think what we goes on in these 11 months. We kind of find ourselves in a daze. Because as soon as Christmas comes, Christmas is going to pass. January 1 is going to roll around, and we're not going to have the holidays anymore. We're going to have to go back to work, and life is going to get going again. And we're going to find ourselves in that same spot of trying to make it through. And so I think our text today, our text today from Paul is a little bit of an alarm clock. It's, an, a, little, it's, it's, a, it's a moment in this in which Paul says everything that we've been talking about, that this Christmas season matters. And it matters because of the way that was being prepared for us. If we remember what John says last week, the voice that cries out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. And so with the words of John ringing in our ears, the words of hope that a way is coming, Paul now enters in and says, that way matters. No more sleepwalking. And so read with me, Romans 13, verses 11 through 14. Besides this, you know what time it is. How it is now the moment for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. For salvation is nearer now than when we became believers. The night is far gone. The day is near. Let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us live honorably as in the day, not reveling in drunkenness and not in debauchery and licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Paul, to the church in Rome, as he is writing this, grabs their attention. We can't help but notice, I believe, as I was reading the text this week, we can't help but notice the urgency in Paul's words, much like the urgency in John's words last week in Mark 1. It's hard for us not to see the urgency of Paul's words here. The night is gone. The day is coming. Salvation is near Nearer than when you first believed. Paul here has a tone of immediacy. A tone that tells us that something happened. And when it did, it meant something to us. And it changes the way that we do life. And I want you to really think about that. It changes the way that we do life life 
Because in our day, when, where we live, in the moment that we're in, we find ourselves between Christmas and Easter, and Easter and Christmas. We find ourselves between the words of John and Paul. We find ourselves in the already, Jesus has come. But the not yet, Jesus is back. And we find ourselves in that middle spot in life. And it's in that middle spot in life where we find here Paul saying, don't live in the darkness anymore. In fact, he he says it, and we would probably say amen to that. So don't do drunkenness and debauchery and licentiousness. And we're like, yeah, Paul, those are bad. But then he goes on. And he goes on as he says these things and says, yeah, those are the big ones, and I get that. But how about this? How about quarreling and jealousy? How about the everyday things? How about the everyday things of life? And so we look at the Christmas season. And as I was looking at the Christmas season, I couldn't help but this one number stuck out to me. And this number says this. The U.S. has 3.1% of the world's children. Okay? 3.1% of the world's children, but consumes 40% of the world's toys. 3.1% of the children in the world, but we consume 40% of the world's toys. 56% of people say they spend too much money during the holidays. 55% admit they feel stressed about finances during the holidays. 43% said the extra expenses make the holidays hard to enjoy. And the last number that got me is this. Parents in the United States spend an average of $422 per child. And as I looked at these numbers, and and as I began to think about this and look at it in context to what is going on in this Christmas season and what we're talking about, and then what Paul says here, it's not... The, the big things that get us, the drunkenness and debauchery and licentiousness, it's the small things. It's the small things that kind of get to us and become a part of us. And what happens is the message of last week of good news of Jesus Christ gets drowned out by everything else. It gets drowned out by just trying to make it through life. And so what Paul says in this moment is, and it's what he also said in Ephesians. Paul says, wake up. The day of salvation is nearer now than when you first believed. Wake up. Jesus entering into the world was our alarm clock, and it is our continued alarm clock to live the different life than what we're living today. And while it is easy, and how much do we want to just pull up the covers over our head and say, no more. Paul tells us that the birth of Jesus, Jesus coming into the world, matters. It matters not just for us, but it matters for all that we encounter. It is the very thing that we identify ourselves by. 
And so what Paul says is, we live into the expectation that Jesus has come, but we also live into the expectation that Jesus will come. And so there is a way of living in this moment that we need to get ready for, that we, it needs to be a part of our lives. And so as people, we do not live as those without hope, which is really easy to do a lot of times, especially with everything this world throws at us. But what Paul says is, we don't live as people without hope. Instead, we live as people with hope. So therefore, our life is not one that just sits back and waits. It is far too easy as Christians to kind of kick back in our chair and say, whew, thank God I'm okay. And we live as relieved people that we are saved. We live as people who just say, well, all I got to do is get through this life, right? Just, just make it through. Sleepwalk the best I can to make it through this life to get to heaven. But Paul doesn't say we live as people who kick back and do nothing. Paul actually in this verse sounds the alarm and says, we are people of action. We are people who invite others to the way. So that way in which John was saying is being prepared for us, the good news of Jesus Christ. John now this week hands us the mantle of that and says, it is now your mission to prepare the way. The cry of the baby at Christmas was the very thing the creation had been waiting on, Paul tells us in Romans 8. And so we sit back and Paul says, now is not the time to sit back. Now is the time to move forward. So we are not onlookers to the mission of Jesus. We are not just people who sit in the stands and go, wow, isn't God cool? No, instead of being onlookers, we find out, as Paul says, that we are active participants in the mission of God. We are now the preparers of the way of Jesus. We are the ones whose lives witness to the fact that Jesus came to earth. And so when Jesus says in John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. What Jesus says is, uh, my mission was to bring new life to the world. So with the birth of Jesus also came the birth of a new way of living, a new way of being in the world. What kind of life is that? Jesus says it is the abundant life. And when we think of an abundant life, that is not a life that just sits back and does nothing. That is not a life that just pulls over the covers and says, not today. Now, we're also going to have days like that, and that's completely okay. But Paul says that's not what we're about. The birth of the baby 
was our alarm clock to get up to the new day that is approaching. And so our life should be the life of Christmas. Our life should be the testimony that something different has entered into the world. Our life is new birth. And so my question to you today is, does your life look like it has birthed something new? Meister Eckhart, uh, church father, said this. What good is it to me if this eternal birth of the divine son takes place unceasingly, but does not take place within myself? What good is it if Jesus came into this world, entered into our neediness to fill that void that is in our life, and yet nothing is seen from it. That our life is not the witness to the birth of Jesus. And so we look at our lives today, and we wonder, does our life look like the testimony of the good news of Jesus Christ? Does our life look like that God entered into the world? That when God entered into the world through Jesus, something happened. It was more than just a baby being born, but something happened. Something happened in our life. And so Paul gives us an alarm clock in Romans 13. And Paul tells us you can't hit snooze anymore. Because the new day is dawning. Something new is happening in your life. Mark, as he says, the good news of Jesus Christ, this new beginning. What Paul says is, this new beginning is now happening in your life. Not only that, but are we participants in it? Do, are we being active participants in bringing new birth to others? Are people witnessing and finding new birth in their life? Because I believe that Paul is saying, you are now that very person. And if you think that I, Paul doesn't know what he's talking about, in Galatians 14, as he's talking to the Galatians, as he's talking to the people of Galatia, and as they're struggling with this new life that they've entered into in Jesus, as they're struggling to figure out what it looks like and the reality of it, and is it possible, Paul comes back to them in Galatians 4.19 and says, I will enter back into the pains of childbirth so that Christ can be formed in you. Notice what Paul says there. I will enter into the chains of pains of childbirth with you so Christ can be formed in you. Birth is a big deal. Are we walking alongside of people preparing the way so that we can also see the new birth inside of them? Is our lives a witness and a testimony to the new birth that is going on? Does the world see that the Jesus who entered into this world as a baby, the cry of the baby that grabs our attention, matters? 
and prepares us for the new day that's approaching. And so let us live as people who are preparing the way. Let Romans 13 be our alarm clock. Let the cry of the baby Jesus be the expectation we have been waiting for that says it is time to do what I've always wanted to do. So much like I waiting for my child's first cry to know it is everything I've been waiting for to be a dad as we hear the cry of Jesus. It is everything I wanted to do to be fully human in the eyes of my creator. How can I now show others that same birth in my life? And so today my question is, what things are going on? What things are happening in our lives that is hindering us? That is causing us to pull the covers over our heads and say, ah, not today. Because Paul is saying, today is the day. Because salvation is nearer now than it was yesterday. May we be people who are always preparing the way for the next person as Jesus is one day closer to coming back. You've been listening to Grapevine Church of Christ. Subscribe to our sermon podcast and to our other Grapevine Church podcasts for special behind-the-scenes content. For more information, you can go to www.grapevinechurch.com.